You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game and Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care, whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we dive into the episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group. We have over 2,500 members. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Just search Panthers on Tap. The 2023 NFL Draft is in the books. Panthers have made their picks. We're going to analyze them for you on this show. Last time we talked to you guys, it was Friday morning, about less than 24 hours after the Bryce Young pick. Friday night, we were able to get into the inner circle. So thank you all for whoever prayed for us those these last couple of weeks to get in there. We finally made it. Uh, and I'll tell you what, it was the shit in there. It is as advertised, so much fun, so, so much fun. Bryson, what did you think of the inner circle? Yeah, I mean, I, I tweeted a picture of us. I mean, it was like the time of my life, man. I was having a blast. Um, drinks were a little too expensive for the whole entire event, but uh, I still had an amazing time. I got to chant Baker Mayfield all night long at Bucks Fans. I got to talk shit to Atlanta fans about drafting a running back. And I mean, I just, I was, I was just having the time of my life, man. And I was so appreciative of uh, other Panthers fans that helped us get in. And, and those two Eagles fans that really showed us the ropes on how to get up on the stage. And I, I told them that when I'm not pulling for the Panthers, I'm going to secretly pull for the Eagles this year because of them. So um, I'm extremely grateful for that, but yeah, I mean, I I would highly recommend um, if if anybody has a chance to go to the draft next year in Detroit or any years in the future, uh, definitely do it. Uh, it was a blast. We met so many people and um, reporters, and we got to see Adam Scheffner and Jordan Reed was awesome, and just I mean, it, amazing time. And it, it seemed like everybody who was anybody in regards to the NFL was there, and uh, just I again had the time of my life. Yeah, there is a real art to getting into that inner circle, as we found out. I mean, guys, we were around guys that have been the last couple drafts, and they they kind of knew everything. They knew the the ins and outs of how to get in there and what side to be on and really helped us out to get into that inner circle for Friday night, the second and third round. So hats off to them. It was a hell of a time. The drinks were flowing. Motley Crew was great. It was a really good Friday night for the both of us. Well, let's get into the picks and we'll start with those Friday night picks and we'll go to the second round and let's just start with Jonathan Mango here, 39. And before I start, I'll give you your flowers. You did call the Mango pick. You also called Zavala. We'll get to him later. But let's start with Mango. I know Bryce and I was pretty damn excited when the name was called. Just talk me through what you think of Mango at pick 39. Yeah, and I, I think um, while I did call that it was going to be a receiver, um, I think if they would have went edge like you had called, uh, that would have been great there as well. But uh, both option or both positions were positions of need, in, in my opinion. And um, I can't remember who I was listening to. Uh, I believe it was Daniel Jeremiah, but uh, just pairing a rookie quarterback with a rookie receiver – um, whether it be from the school that he went to or uh, another, uh, you know, high end prospect of a wide receiver coming out of college, um, it really gives them time to to grow together and mold. They're going to be doing all the 
the rookie mini camp, the rookie events, like everything that the rookies do together, Bryce Young and Jonathan Mingo are going to be doing together. So they're going to have a chance to build that relationship and really go grow with each other. Um, but Mingo, I mean, he, the, another guy from Ole Miss that's athletic uh, as hell, um, pulling up his numbers, uh, 6'2", 220. He ran a 4'4", 40, I believe, um, 32 and a half inch, 32 and one eighth inch arms and uh, 10 and three eighths inch hands. So uh, pretty huge hands. Um, and, and, you know, on the tape, we've all seen the catch where he pretty much Odell's the ball over a guy um, one handed. Uh, you know, he's got the the um, yak ability that you want. Um, a lot of people compare him to Debo Samuel coming out uh, or, or, of course, A.J. Brown, the other old Miss wide receiver of recent that came out. Um, I think he's going to be a very productive member of this team. Uh, he might not, you know, be a, a outside receiver year one starting, but I believe he's going to work his way up and eventually become that with Terrace Marshall Jr. Um, I, you know, I tweeted it, and I guess it was pretty controversial, but – I think that this is the best wide receiver room that the Panthers have ever had top to bottom. Uh, they don't have the top end talent like DJ Moore, but when you go through and you go one, two, three, four, five, which, you know, from top to bottom, they've never had a room with that much talent before. And I think that it is going to set Bryce Young up for um, hopefully a great year, year one. And uh, it makes it a little easier for his transition from college to the NFL. Yeah, I was talking to a buddy about that today. I didn't go that far, but I think it's I think they have more depth this year than they did last year. They just don't have that number one yet. So someone needs to ride the occasion this year. Um, going back to for those that don't know, me and Bryce were having a little friendly wager before the pick. Thought it was gonna be DN. They still had BJ Ojalari on the board. Deion White was still out there. Cam Smith was still even there like it was for us in our mock draft. They ended up going with the target for Bryce Young. I'm not complaining about it at all because I think when you can marry a wide receiver in the same draft to your quarterback, it's a really good thing to do, and they can kind of grow together. Uh, I love the pick. Um, he is His ability to locate the ball is ridiculous in space. Um, Bryson, you mentioned that the catch, the OBJ catch. I think he had another one in that game. It was behind the defender's back against Central Arkansas. And then he had the one-handed catch with a defender over the top in that same game. So two highlight plays. He's got really strong hands. He had four drops last year. Um, but he's made numerous, from the couple of games I watched of his reps, made a lot of the uh, catches falling to the ground, diving catches, catches in traffic taking body shots on slants and still holding on the ball. He had one in particular against Georgia Tech um, where he got nailed on a slant and he still held on to it for a first down. PFF has him with seven contested catches from the couple of games I watched. He had four or five, so I don't know where they're getting that number from. I feel like that's a little low, but um, wanted to throw that out there. He takes a lot of balls at the line of scrimmage. A lot of screen passes, and that's just by design. So I don't know if that's really a knock on him. Um, but he took a lot of, at 39% of his receptions, according to PFF, were either at the line of scrimmage or zero to 10 yards in. So very short routes. Um, but on the flip side of that, he is one of the highest receivers graded 
for 20 yard passes and more. He was at 99.9% for PFF. And that was in the range of Jordan Addison, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jalen Hyatt. So when that ball is deep, he's got a pretty damn good catch rate uh, for balls thrown 20 yards or more. So I really like this pick. And if you just look at the track record of Ole Miss wide receivers, Bryson mentioned Brown, Metcalf, wasn't that he the yeah. other one? I think there might be another, there might be one Elijah more. Moore. Yeah. Elijah Moore. Uh, so that, that school has been a breeding grounds for wide receivers. And a lot of those guys were taken in the second and third rounds too. So just yeah, something, something to look forward to. His biggest knock, I feel like, is uh, lack of production in college. But if you go and look at his, his quarterback play, it was not good. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, and he got hurt. I think he broke his foot. Yeah. Uh, so he had an injury and bad quarterback play. So uh, I think if he was Bryce Young's receiver, we'd probably be talking about Mingo going in the first round easy uh, and maybe top 15 player uh, if he was Bryce Young's receiver in college. So. Uh, you know, just imagine Carolina running that 11 personnel with the three wide receivers, got Mingo in the slot, and you got Thielen and Shark on the edge or Thielen and um, uh, Terrace Marshall Jr. I mean, that that's a great that's a great set. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to watch the wide receivers work this year. Yeah, and a lot, a lot of mocks had him going in the third. He obviously snuck into the second with Carolina. They picked him pretty high. I know Schrager, like a week out, had him going at the end of the first. Uh, obviously he slipped to 39 for Carolina to take him and they were pretty high in him. And as most of us know, and if you haven't seen on Twitter, the guy that Scott Fitter was talking about was Jonathan Mingo at that visit when he came to Carolina. Um, I want to say Scott was on the radio yesterday and uh, Dan Morgan called him a really cool kid. Great interview. Uh, they just thought he was had a really good day in Carolina in that visit. So something to watch, and it's good to see, you know, Carolina. You know, we kind of harped on David Tepper on f- last Friday about his comments about weapons and kind of taking them cheap. But Carolina wasted no time and kind of dispelled that with that pick at two. And, you know, Steve Smith is a big Big believer in Mingo. He called David Tepper, I think it was either the night before or the day of, and said, you you need to go pick this guy up at 39. So high praise from a Carolina Panthers legend there. Let's go to the third round. And I believe this is probably the biggest controversy among fans is this pick. So DJ Johnson... Panthers moved up to pick 80. They traded the 93rd and pick 132 in the fourth round to trade up 13 spots and they get DJ Johnson. Bryson, tell me, tell me about Johnson. Yeah. Uh, let's start with um, some famous words of Aaron Rodgers. R E A R E L A X. <laughs> if I can spell right, Jesus Christ, uh, relax. Uh, you know, he, the if Carolina had the, drive the the vision to trade up and get this guy um you know i i think let's let the coaches do their work he's definitely got the uh the intangibles he's 64 260 uh, he has 33 inch arms he ran a 449 i mean for his, a dude that's 64 260 to run a 449 is absolutely ridiculous um i'm just 
you know, I, he, he doesn't have the greatest college tape, and I don't think that anybody's going to debate that. But uh, he's got the size, the speed, and the strength. Uh, I think one of the things that Scott Fitter said on some radio show recently was that they really liked his strength and, and his ability to set the edge. And that's something that opposite of Brian Burns they haven't had. And, you know, they, they've got the speed off the edge on, on with, you know, Marquise Haynes and Amari Barno, Barno. And even with DJ Johnson, he's got the speed. But he has that strength ability to be able to set that edge. And I think that's something that they were really looking for. I think they got caught in a, in a run on – on ends and edges when they, after they picked Mingo and uh, you know, they felt they really wanted this prospect. It was one of the few ones left that they felt could come in and make a difference day one and they traded up and they got him. So R E L A X. I spelled it right that time. Relax. Let the coaching staff take it from here and let's just see what happens. Yeah, I was, I tweeted out, I was scratching my head at the pick and I'll say this. I don't hate the player, but because uh, I honestly don't know enough about him to make that judgment. What I don't like is the trade up for the said player. I think it was too much at the time, and I guess we'll see how it plays out. He is a versatile guy. He played some tight end. I mean, I think saw somewhere he had a catch in a game and uh, may had a sack or something in the same game. So. He is versatile there. You talked about a 6'4", 260. Um, he turns 25 in his rookie season, so he's a little bit older. That is a little concerning. Uh, for a guy, you would, you'd want him to have things figured out at 25, and he's still pretty damn raw for a player. So, again, I think it's they're going after potential here. Obviously, they're banking off his upside. Um I just want to throw this out there. The Steelers got Nick Herbig and Darnell Washington with the Panthers picks. That's a tough pill to swallow for me. But again, you mentioned it. They do like the player. Scott was on the radio today. He said there wasn't any edge rushers left that were big, and that's what they were going for. Um, So there was a lot of smaller guys, and Nick Herbig comes to mind. He's a smaller end, um, more of like a – a Frankie Louvu type. Um, so that was clearly what they were looking for. We got to bring up, he punched a fan at the game. I don't have a big of an issue with that. And I'm sure you don't. Um, I don't mind some bullies if they're on my team type of thing. I mean, you got to kind of have some nastiness to your defense. So I don't mind that. I just hope he's smart about it. And I'm sure he's learned from it. Scott Fitter said he had remorse when they kind of vetted that process with their scouts. So I don't mind that really as much as others do. Um, But it sounds like this is the guy that, you know, Capers and Evero wanted and they moved up for it again. I think they could have gotten him at 93, but they more, they know more than we do. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how this plays out, but it sounds like, and Scott said it today, he is going to come in and play from day one opposite Brian Burns. So I'm sure there will be some sort of rotation there as well, but looks like this guy is going to get snaps and he's going to need them because he hasn't played this position for very long. He had a career high six sacks last year, so hopefully he can build off of that and we'll let the coaches do what they do and see if they can you know, get what they want out of this guy. 
Anything else on Johnson? No, I mean, I just let's just see what happens. I think he's got you know everything that you would want in a potential starter opposite of Brian Burns. It's just can he put it together? Um, he he really lacks like pass rushing pass rushing moves. He doesn't really have a plan. It looks like when he's attempting to rush the quarterback, he runs into the offensive lineman and doesn't try to spin or doesn't try to punch or anything like that. So uh, I think coaching is going to help him a lot. You got Todd Wash. Uh, so I, let, let's give him a chance. And, you know, it can't be any worse than what we've seen out of YGM. So, All right, let's move to the fourth round. I'm not going to get too much into the intangibles with this guy because we talked a lot about him in our mock draft. Um, so if you want to listen to that analysis, we had a bunch of guys on. Kevin, who knows, you know, knows that offensive line group, Kevin Avery, he talked a lot about him as well. But um, I think this was a great pick, uh, especially with the injuries to Christensen and Corbett. It sounds like Corbett is going to miss regular season games this season from the last press conference. So I would expect Zavala to, I mean, either compete or start for one of those positions. Um, whether they shuffle things around and he plays alongside Icky and Christensen moves over or Christensen stays and Zavala goes to the right side. But I think this is going to be really fun to watch this group in training camp and as the season progresses because Zavala's he seems like a pretty nasty guard. And from, from our boy Kevin, that's what you want in that position. I'm not going to count out Christensen because I like what he's done and I thought he played well last year. But I think this just adds a lot more depth to this position for Carolina. And when you go out and get a guy like Bryce Young, you got to protect him and you at all costs do that in the draft. So I don't hate this pick at all. And it sounds like a lot of teams were texting Scott Fitter, congratulating him because this was a heck of a pick. And I don't think teams were thinking he was going to stick around this late and Carolina, he falls to their lap at 114. Yeah, I think this is a guy that, um, just to tell you a little bit about his drive, he had uh, he was unranked by all major scouting services uh, and, and went to a D school, a D two school in West Virginia, Fairmont State University. Then transferred to N- NC State. Didn't allow a sack during his time at NC State. I'm just uh, I, I was very happy he was the pick. Uh, I think he's going to come in and challenge immediately. Christensen at left guard, and obviously he'll fill in for any you know long lasting injuries that are on the line as well, but. Uh, being able to pair him beside Icky and and just immediately have that um, cohesiveness that they've they had in college together, uh, you know he he has that relationship as well already with Icky. Uh, I th- I think is great and uh, Zavala is just a, another solid piece uh, to add to an offensive line that continues to improve uh, year after year. So uh, was very happy with the pick. Yeah, and one thing we talked about on that mock draft, and I feel like this was, I think, the way we phrase this is if I would believe everyone is healthy, but could the Panthers move Christensen to that swing tackle role and you have Zavala in at left guard along with Corbett on the other side and then obviously Icky, Moten, and Bozeman in the middle. So is that their future plan? Is that why they haven't filled that position yet? Or are they going to go out and get, you know, maybe reach back out to Cam Irving and get him back in here? Cause I feel like he had, a, he played well in that role this past season and was pretty big for 
the growth of some of the young guys and just having some leadership in the locker room for that offensive line group. And he's got familiarity there. So that could be good. But that was something we discussed of, you know, Christensen maybe being that swing tackle down the line once everyone is healthy. But for the time being, Zavala, Cade Mays, I feel like that's going to be the competition for Corbett's position early in the season. And I mean, I'm sure the best guy is going to win that job and we'll see what shakes out. But I'm glad they went out and got this pick because you don't want to be sitting with a question mark at one of your starting guard spots when you just went out and got Bryce Young. So I'll take the pick. I think we were pretty damn excited about this one as well. Let's move to the fifth round. This was their last pick of the draft, 145. They took Jamie Robinson, the safety. Bryson, what do you what, I know you like this guy a lot. Tell me about him. Yeah, but honestly, at first, I think we were both kind of scratching our heads a little bit because he reminds us of the role that Jeremy Chin plays on this team. But uh, you know, the more that you watch his interviews and um read about him and see how excited he is to be a Panther. He was the first rookie to sign his contract. Uh, I mean, I think that says enough about how motivated and happy he is to be here. So, uh, you know, he's got that versatility that you look for. Uh, he's played free safety, strong safety, nickel and linebacker. And Daniel Jeremiah even said that they lined him up as a three tech on the defensive line in at Florida state occasionally. So he literally does, he did everything for this, uh, Florida State team uh, in his college career. Um, you know, he's really brings an attitude that the defense lacks. I think uh, overall uh, he's going to, he's not afraid to hit anybody. He's going to talk shit after he hits you. And then he's going to let you know when you're lining up that he hit you and it, he's still talking shit to you. So uh, I love it. He, his attitude reminds me of like a Chauncey Gardner Johnson. And I, you know, I think every team needs a guy like that. That's what my Carolina hurricanes are lacking and, and can't, fight or hit anyone uh, in the NHL playoffs right now. So um, I think having that on defense is really going to, again, bring that attitude uh, along with DJ Johnson, who also, I mean, we talked about it. He punched a fan, uh, but <laughs> not so much that attitude, but, um, but just, you know, attitude in general, not afraid to hit, not afraid to get in someone's face, not afraid to come off the bench. If, if, the other defense hits Bryce Young late. I mean, I, I guarantee you Jamie Robinson is going to be one of the first off the bench trying to get on the field and, and get a penalty, which, you know, hopefully <laughs> doesn't happen. But uh, that's the kind of person and player he is. You know, he's, he said he's a dog, and Bryce Bryce Young's a dog, and dogs are going to last. So um, I'm excited to have him on the team. Really seems like a a, a guy who's going to come to the locker room and, and be a voice and be a leader and going to hold people accountable and going to expect the the best from everybody. And I don't think that adding someone like that to a locker room is ever a bad thing. Yeah, he seems pretty damn vocal. Just from his interview, it sounds like he's got an edge, some grit to him. Um, called himself a dog. No 144 players better than me. I mean, the guy's got a chip on his shoulder from day one coming in here to prove himself. He's had some familiarity with J.C. Horn, played at South Carolina, then Florida State. Just from – the little bit I watched of, you know, some of his highlights, he seems disciplined and a pretty damn good tackler uh, and really good in pursuit. I think he had like one interception on 99 tackles, something like that this past season. Um, it sounds like he can play the safety role. He can play in the nickel. I would assume 
he'll play that nickel role. But again, yeah, when they drafted him, it was like, huh? I mean, this this kind of sounds like JC or man, I, this kind of sounds like Jeremy Chin. So I don't know where he's going to go. I don't know where he's going to fit. I'm sure they'll find a role for him. It might just be on special teams to start, but this guy I'm sure is going to get on the field and make an impact in some way, uh, whether that's in the locker room or, you know, playing on special teams. But um, again, well, we don't know about these picks uh, until they hit the field and in training camp. Um, I'm not necessarily going to, put any grade on them. I don't know if you wanted to grade them. I know we kind of talked about it. They feel like grades are kind of useless because you honestly don't know until they hit the field. And a lot of these grades are based off of, you know, these, um, these talking heads own draft big boards per se yeah. and where they had these guys. So again, it's, I'm not going to say I'm happy with the draft. Um, you're not going to say that, or you? No, I'm. I, no, I'm saying I'm. No, I'm happy with the draft. Okay. I, yeah, sorry, I worded <laughs> that weird. Um, again, I'm going to fall in line with you know they got in this really good coaching staff. Let's see what these guys can do, and kind of go from there. And I'm, I'm sure you kind of feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, if the highest paid defensive coordinator in the NFL, who many you know thinks is going to be a head coach next year, has identified these players. And wanted these players. I, you know, I trust them, uh, Evero, Jerry Evero. So um, I think Robinson's going to come in and make a difference. I think DJ Johnson's going to come in and make a difference. Uh, I still think they could add some talent uh, in free agency, which I wanted to get your opinion on. So we'll translate was, into, into that. I was just about um, to say that too. Go ahead. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you know, there's a couple of people still available. We've talked about before on this podcast, but we're getting into the um, you know, the, the kind of the third wave of free agency where it doesn't count against uh, your your compensatory picks, which I don't think Carolina is going to have any anyways. But uh, they still got guys like Yannick Ngakwe, Leonard Floyd, Frank Clark, uh, just to name a few out there. Still some solid corners available. Uh, just wanted to get your opinion, Curtis, on, you know, who would you like to see Carolina bring in, if anybody at all? I like Floyd. I think he's been consistent like the last – five, six years, just consistent sack numbers. I feel like that's what they need. Um, it sounds like in this Johnson guy, they're going to get a guy who sets the edge, should play, you know, a big body, should play well against the run. So, I mean, I want a guy who's going to put up 10 sacks a season on the other side type of thing. I think yeah. they can get that production maybe out of a all these guys added together against Burns, but it would not. it'd be nice to see one guy getting that production. I feel like Marquise Haynes, I mean, he had a pretty good year last year in his limited role. He didn't play a whole hell of a lot. It was more on a rotational basis. So does he see increased snaps? But again, and the way I was going to pose the question is, are you comfortable with the edge rushers going into the season opposite Burns? I feel like they need to add still. I still think that's a need um, yeah, going I, into this season. I would agree. Um, and, you know, I think Floyd had – two years in a row of nine and a half sacks. Yana Ngakwe, nine and a half in 2022 and 10 in 2021 with the Raiders. And Ngakwe, um, I mean, he's got, you talked about Washington, he's got familiarity with him. He played with him. So that seems like a likelihood. And I think I told you this when during the draft that he had tweeted something very weird, like I'm coming or something like that. 
And then I know Edgar pointed out today on Twitter, you can't read much into it. I understand that, but at least got to put it out there. He added a bunch of Panthers over the last like day or so. So could he be coming? Maybe. And that would be awesome because I think they still could add to that room. Absolutely. And I think he would be the, you know, excellent option opposite of Brian Burns and the best that we have had since Hassan Reddick left. So I think that that's like the final piece that this team really, really needs. That is a, that's a legitimate hole. Um, You know, we don't, DJ Johnson is the furthest thing from a sure bet to come in and, you know, be a, a double-digit sack guy in his first year. Probably going to need a year or two to acclimate to the NFL if he does become that player. But uh, if you, you can bring in a guy like Yannick or Leonard Floyd that come in that can get you nine to ten sacks opposite of Burns, it's going to free up a lot of space on that defensive line for guys like Derek Brown and Shy Tuttle and Brian Burns to – maybe get a couple more sacks than what they're used to. So uh, I think absolutely I, – I truly believe they're in the market and they're trying to sign one. Um, you know, we we know for a fact that uh, Fitters had talks with Leonard Floyd, uh, and we don't know for a fact about Yannick, but I would guess that they have. So I think that they're still trying, and eventually they will get their guy. While we're just still on the draft here – any guys that you would have liked to seen them draft, like you were like, damn it, I wish they would have fell, or just any anyone in particular. I know we kind of talked through those things in the mock drafts, but anyone you're like, shit, I wish we would have gotten him. Well, I mean, if we're talking about Edge, uh, you know, up until pick 30 in the NFL draft, Nolan Smith was available, who many thought was going to be a top 10 pick, and he has that elite speed off the edge that – mirrors Brian Burns' speed, I mean, almost exactly. Uh, again, he's not a big guy, which it seems like that's what they wanted. So don't know if that's who they were trying to trade up for. I believe Mike K mentioned that they were interested in Will McDonald, who went 13th to the Jets, and that if he were to slip, that that's a guy that they were trading up to target um, in, in the end of the first round. So I think – you know, maybe getting one of those premier edges in the draft would have been nice, uh, especially Nolan Smith, who slipped so far. I think that he's going to be a very good player. The Eagles absolutely killed the draft. Everybody knows they've, I mean, they've just been done great this year. So uh, I think maybe if they were to consider a trade up for him at that point, I would not have been mad. Yeah, I would say Nolan Smith for me. I, I mean, both of us were kind of just sitting on the, edge of our seat at the end of that first round, just kind of hoping. And also while we were sitting down in pain after standing for 20 hours, but um, just <laughs> just hoping that Nolan Smith was going to fall to the second round. And I mean, obviously, if, if they liked Will McDonald too, I feel like I wish he would have fell a little bit deeper because that would have been a good get as well. Um, but I think those are probably the two guys that come to mind uh, as far as players. Um that they kind of missed out on or didn't have the opportunity of drafting. I did want to mention this a little bit here and talk about it because it's been mentioned a little bit here and some of those things got sorted out today with numbers and such, but I don't know if we got a chance to talk about this on Friday, but Matt Corral put out kind of a cryptic Instagram post during the draft and 
I think this was like after they took Young. Did we talk about this? We did we talk about this at all? We did. So. Okay. So the tweet, someone screenshotted it. It said, then the father said, quote, I wanted to let you know that you are not worth anything if you are not in the right place. If you are not appreciated, do not be angry. That means you are in the wrong place. Don't stay in a place where no one sees your value, end quote. So again, very quick cryptic. The timing was right during the draft. Bryce, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, if you believe the story that Matt Corral willingly changed his number, like the Panthers put in their article, I got some beachfront property in Kansas that I'm trying to sell. So uh, just hit me up, shoot me a DM on Twitter. Uh, I, I'm going to sell it to you real cheap. So, yeah, I mean, he's not happy, obviously. And and that's the competitor in him. I don't blame him. You know, he kind of got screwed, got injured his rookie year, new head coach coming in. And, uh, you know, when he was drafted, you and I both were thinking maybe this is our franchise guy, uh, as well as many other Panthers fans. But we moved on, and he hasn't really gotten a fair shot um, since he was injured. Um, so maybe that's somewhere else because he's not going to get a fair shot in Carolina. I mean, they're not going to – even if Matt Corral comes into camp and blows everybody away, they're not going to start Matt Corral over Bryce Young after trading your superstar wide receiver and two or three first-round picks. I mean, it's just not going to happen. There's just so much investment in Bryce Young and this coaching staff just and, – and front office wouldn't let that happen. So – just a pure business standpoint. And I, I understand he's angry. Uh, I, I hope he doesn't take it out on Bryce Young because it's not Bryce Young's fault. But I, in no world do I see Matt Corral saying, yeah, you can have nine, man. I wanted two anyways. After posting something like that where he's, you know, I'm not appreciated. I'm, you know, fucked it. Well, not, not that kind of way, but like you know, that kind of attitude in general. Um, I just, I don't believe it. I don't know if you do, but I don't. Yeah, I get it. You said it with the competitor to him. It's just not my style. If I put myself in that shoes and it's like if someone beat me out of a job at my current, you know, just at my current job, I'm not going to go out and post on Facebook, uh, you know, a a sour Facebook post or a sour tweet. I'm going to put my head down and keep grinding. I feel like that's the way, the professional way to go about it. And obviously... You know, someone, I don't know who told him, you better get get rid of that shit. I know Frank Wright kind of played clueless about it, and he was asked, he said, well, yeah, I didn't see that. But clearly someone told Corral to take that down, or he took it down himself. So, yeah. again, not the way, not my style. Wouldn't have gone about it that way. I get it. He's upset. He did kind of get screwed. He got the injury. Things happen in the NFL. It's a business, though, and when you need things to produce – Timing is everything sometimes, and the timing was just not right for Matt Corral. You know, it might be right with another team, like you mentioned, maybe a trade down the road. Maybe they keep him on the team as a backup, you know, type of thing. You know, with Andy Dalton, we'll see how who they carry into the season. But, I mean, just the timing wasn't great for him, and it's that's sometimes the reality in the NFL. And you just kind of got to bite the bullet and just move forward. And it's and it's not to say that he's not talented and he still doesn't have a chance to be a starting quarterback in this league because I think we both agree he does have talent and he does have a chance to still be good. I mean he's he's got a lot of uh, tools and intangibles that you look for in a quarterback. He's got the quick release. Uh, 
He was accurate. I mean, damn good quick release. Damn and, good. Yeah, and he, he, you know he's got everything that you would, you know, hope to hope to look for in a quarterback, but just wrong place, wrong time. Now, last season was the most perfect place and most perfect time for him to come out and prove what he is. But again, he unfortunately got injured. You know, it's not his fault, but unfortunately, that's what the case was. And now his time has come and and gone in Carolina. Let's talk about those numbers quickly because those came out today. I know. People say who gives a shit, but when uh, you you're looking for content, here we are, <laughs> and we got and we finally <laughs> figured out what the QB's number was, and that was the most important. But Bryce Young is number nine, Mingo's fifteen, DJ Johnson gets John Beeson's old number fifty-two, Chandler Zavala sixty-two, and Jamie Robinson says Christian McCaffrey who with number twenty-two. So. What do you think of the people up in arms over 22? I feel like Carolina fans don't really understand that. And maybe I'm going to get, you know, pitchforked and, you know, fucking flames on sticks outside my house when I say this. But you don't retire everyone's number. That's not how this thing works. The guy played like, how many seasons does Christian McCaffrey play for the Panthers? Five or six? Like, yes, he was a great running back. And yes, he could have retired a Panther, but he didn't. And, like, we need to move on from that. I don't have the problem with him taking this number at all. No, I, I don't either. Uh, maybe I was a little surprised to see them give it out give it out so soon. But I am i didn't think that that was a number that was going to be retired. I mean, you do have to account, unfortunately, for his injury history in Carolina. If maybe he played all five or six seasons and he was completely healthy and put up 1,000,000 $1, each year, we might be speaking a different tune here. But the only number – that needs to be retired is number one, in my opinion, um, that's still available. But uh, I think, you know, Jamie wanted 22. They gave it to him. Well, let's move on. Not a big deal. Uh, and I and, and I mean, I think it's clear and going off of Cam, I think it's clear that the team has probably said privately to anyone who's wanted one. And it, one that comes to mind is Jonathan Mingo. He was one in college. I'm yeah. sure they said this number can't be touched. It's going to be retired down the road type of thing. Yeah, I agree. And, and, that, and that's a good thing. Um, in my opinion. So, yeah, I think uh, the only other thing I want to add about the numbers is that there is a new number nine in the NFC South. His name was Bryce Young, and he's coming for Drew Brees' records, baby. Yes, I'll hey, I'll take all every bit of that. 15, I would have – I personally would have liked Mingo in a single digit. That's just yeah. me. I like the single digit wide receiver numbers. Zero would have been cool. If you asked me last year, I think I was bitching about the single-digit numbers. Maybe on defense it was. I don't remember. But anyway, I like single digits for the wideouts. I'm trying to think. I guess you have. I mean, Carolina's wide receivers this year are going with the teens. Shark 17. Right? Is Shark Shark 17, right? Yeah. Am I yep. making that up? Thielen's 19. Terrace is 88. Terrace is 88. What about That's LaVisca? A, was LaVisca in the teens? Yeah, I believe so. Um, let me look it up. I cannot remember. But uh, I love 88 for a, a wide receiver. I think that's such a clean Yeah, number. and I like the high 80s. I like continuity, though. Like, I if if you're going to have your wide receiver group, I would prefer, like, everyone. LaVisca was 15. Oh, you, oh, yeah, LaVisca went to five, right? I don't know. I, I didn't see that. I think LaVisca went to five if I – Let's let's see if we can figure this out. 
Yeah, I, I didn't see him. Yeah, LaVisca moved to five. That's what okay. it is. So, okay. But again, we're spending way too much time on these jerseys. But <laughs> number nine, go out, pre-order the shit out of those. White, black, blue, whatever one you like. Process blue. Make sure that's clear. But again, numbers are out and things are happening quick. Rookie mini camp is coming up here. I think it's May 11th. Don't quote me on that, but I thought that's the day. So Mango, Bryce Young, they're going to be a little bit intertwined there, starting to get some a uh, little mojo going between the two as we head into, you know, mini camp and then obviously training camp coming up in July. So things are happening and for once in our lives, we don't have a question mark at the QB position and talking about which retread quarterback the Panthers should be trading for um, middle of training camp like we did last year. So thanks yeah, for looking up, man. Yeah, super excited. Uh, the countdown starts T minus four months until the season starts. So going to be a long, exciting, but long four months uh, for us to see Bryce Young um get on the field i hope the schedule gods bless us with a home opener and uh maybe it's a cj stroud versus bryce young home opener versus the texans that'd be crazy but that would be pretty sweet i will say i think carolina has opened the season the last two years yeah could be wrong on that but i know last year for sure so we shall see yeah, that will kind of suck if it's a way to home opener. Now that you say that, I didn't even look ahead. I know that is coming out next week as well. So we'll we'll be talking about that coming up here because and you know that Green Bay team comes to town. So I'll be licking my chops <laughs> over that game. <laughs> yeah, I think uh I think that game is gonna go a lot different than years past and Amen you know, to that. What what things what you would typically think of a Green Bay versus Carolina. Times are changing in the NFL, and Carolina Panthers are looking up. All right, we want to thank everyone for listening to Panthers on Tap podcast. You can catch our episodes wherever you get your podcast. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all your analysis and breaking news. And as always...